If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCI US LLC. Joy News Prime Headlines is brought to you by... Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. Join us Prime is live on DSTV Channel 421 and GoTV Channel 125 around the world on myjoyonline.com. Coming up, apply draconian sanctions against any political party that goes to court over election results if their petition is baseless. That's the proposal of former EC chairperson Kwajo Afarijan. To prevent the rush to court with improbable election petitions from becoming a fashion. I suggest that election petitions that do not succeed 
to attract punitive sanctions. Details as he cautions the EC against foisting its decisions on political parties insisting consensus must be built at IPAC first. Our Deputy Majority Leader takes on NDC for accusing him of electoral violence in the just-ended district-level elections, insisting no violence took place in the Futu constituency. There was no such thing as violence at any police station in the Futu during the just-ended district assembly elections. Details as he fights NDC National Chairman Asirin Katiaho, he says, has allowed himself to be used for lies and a propaganda campaign. I find it very disappointing that Mr. Asirin Katia, for all these years in politics, he will rely on misinformation to mount a political platform to attack me. Also, GS to expel students for sex, skin bleaching, rape, while outlining other stiff punishment for unprescribed haircuts and dressing a new code of conduct for pre-tertiary schools. We have details. At 8 p.m., Emma Davis will be joining with Prime Business. And government has been cautioned to be cautious in its spending this election year as it may derail economic growth for the next 22 years. But then, the when it comes to, I mean, really, you know, um, expenditure like it used to be, we, we're going to derail this economy completely for the next 22 years. Because government options for financing is only on the local market. Later at 8.30, Razak Musba will be joining you with Prime Sports. Well, despite failing to score in the final game ahead of the African Cup of Nations tournament, Black Stars head coach Chris Eaton remains confident of improved performance at the African Cup of Nations tournament on starting on Saturday. My expectations are high. I, I want to be head coach of a team that makes the country proud in this, um, in this tournament. We are your home of independent, fearless, and credible journalism. Please stay for details. Joy News Prime Headlines was brought to you by... Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. Former EC chairperson Kwajo Afarijan talks tough ahead of the 2024 elections as it asks the court to apply hard-hitting sanctions against any political party that will head to court with frivolous petition on electoral results. The Supreme Court in the country's political history has rejected two electoral petitions brought before the court by stalwart of the major political parties challenging the integrity of the presidential result. Speaking at a public lecture to commemorate Constitution Day yesterday, the former EC board said it's long overdue the court to discourage the creeping culture of using the legal system to hold the electorate to ransom. 
as in all human endeavors, mistakes occur in elections. But genuine election mistakes can readily be discovered and corrected. Not so deliberate wrongdoing. To deter deliberate wrongdoing, all persons connected with the conduct of elections must be held strictly accountable for their actions by instituting a stringent regime of punishment for willful wrongdoing. All categories of election workers must be familiarized with the applicable regime of sanctions during their training and any infractions must be seen to be punished. It appears that some candidates rush to court with election petitions alleging manipulation of results primarily to placate their financiers and supporters so that they will be given another chance to be a candidate the next time. The rush can cause undeserved injury to the reputation of the Electoral Commission and unnecessarily inund unnecessary inundation of the courts. As we speak, there are well over 1,000 election petitions before the courts in Nigeria. To prevent the rush to court with improbable election petitions from becoming a fashion, I suggest that election petitions that do not succeed should attract punitive sanctions. He also cautioned the AEC against imposing changes in the electoral system on political parties, insisting it's a recipe for confusion. The Electoral Commission must view the Inter-Party Advisory Committee, IPAC, as a convenient forum for discussing changes to our electoral practices. Irrespective of whether the intended change originates from the Commission or the parties. The reason is that it is not good practice to foist changes in electoral practices on important stakeholders like political parties. It is prudent to discuss any intended changes thoroughly at IPAC meetings with a view to achieving consensus. If consensus is achieved, the IPAC then becomes a convenient vehicle for disseminating the changes to the electorate. Although Mr. Afrarijan's proposal comes across as controversial, it seems to be gaining strong backing from attorney generals of the two major political parties who are endorsing harsh sanctions against advocates of baseless electoral petitions. Take a listen to Joe Gatti and Marietta Brew appear upon. If it is frivolous, you go to court on a frivolous 
claim. I think that for every case, not just election-related um, disputes, there should be punitive okay. costs. But, I mean, if it's not and there is merit in the case, why should you be mocked in heavy costs or, or, or damages or whatever? If you have no basis for bringing a letter, don't bring it. I added that such a person is a threat to democracy. It's undermining democracy. I understand that they do it to keep their food soldiers happy. I understand that they do it so that they continue getting financed. Such a person should be banned for taking part in elections for a period. You are not fit to be a public officer. Now let's go on to phone lines now and speak to Chairman of the Constitutional and Legal Committee of the MPP, Frank Davis. And also um, joining us is lawyer Eduji Tamakro, who is Director of Legal of the NDC. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us here. Now let me start with you, um, Mr. John Davis. What do you make of this proposal that some stiffer punishment should be given to people who go to court with frivolous cases? First off, how can I determine that my case is frivolous? Thank you very much. And good evening to your esteemed viewers and listeners. And to correct you, my, my name is not John. Um, if, if my partner who is John Davis, I'm Frank Davis. It's Frank. Sorry. Thanks Thank for you. the correction. Yes. Frank Thank Davis. Thank you. Uh, I don't know, but this already going to be a repetition of what you did on uh, early on. But uh, my, my position is simple. Every lawyer, every lawyer should know the worth of instructions which a client brings in respect of the case. So from the get-go, when a client consults me, I should be able, from the instructions and the pieces of uh, documentary evidence that the client has, I should be able to judge from where I sit as a trained lawyer that there is merit or otherwise in the case. So it could be a 60, 40, 70, 30, 50, 50, 100%, whatever. But I should be convinced that I have a good case before I go to court. So it is not just a matter of mounting litigation where there is not. More often than not, more often than not, when we go to the Constitutional Court, which is the Supreme Court, it is to test the spirit, or what people say, the letter and spirit of the Constitution. So yes, when people have genuine cases which ignite an interpretation of the Constitution, or for the highest court of the land to make a determination, presidential election petitions are determined in the Supreme Court. There's no other court in that study. There's only parliamentary election petitions which are commenced in the high court and it terminates in the court of appeal. Now, getting more closer home, this discussion has been triggered by something that a very respected electoral commissioner has said concerning these electoral petitions, presidential electoral petitions. Indeed, he was a witness in court in the 2013 presidential election. So he has garnered some experience, both in the courtroom and from his work as a commissioner. Now, he has, over the years, also seen the kind of petitions which have gone through our court. We have had two petitions thus far. The 2013 presidential election petition and the 2023, the 2020 presidential election petition. Now, what happened in both cases? The court handed their reasoned determinations and judgments in the matter. The first one ended in a 5-4 determination by the Supreme Court. The second one 
second one was a unanimous judgment of seven justices. Speaking to me, can we say, by reason of just clear common sense and logic, which of the two cases had some merit? We will not even to talk as laws. Because if a case can split in the middle, five justices of the Supreme Court say yes, four say no. Obviously, it, it will occur to any common bystander that yes, this case was well determined, or maybe there was some merit at all in the petition that was brought. Mm. My other friend will disagree with me and will call what I'm coming to say regrettable, but that is his thinking. Now, if seven justices of the Supreme Court look at the same matter, a petition brought by the NDC this time, and they all come to a determination. Seven of them saying that there is no merit. Okay. Mm. Now, I know the Supreme Court, they are constrained to awarding costs in constitutional matters because it is to test the constitution for an interpretation of whether one person feels that the constitution has been infringed or not. But looking at it in these terms, wouldn't the commissioner be right in showing up the discussion that where it is certainly obvious that you have come to court to waste the cost time, it's not about rule of law or anything. You have come to court to waste the cost time. Shouldn't you be boxed in court? Okay. And then, and, 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 I'm, 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 I'm satisfied as a fact. Okay. So, 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 so you mean that sorry, sorry. the Supreme you, Court... Sorry, sorry. Let, so, me, let, me, let me just conclude on this. Uh, I'm gratified by the fact mm -hmm. that two attorney generals, one for the NDC, Marisha Bruno, for Napia, was NDC attorney general. Mm -hmm. Joe Gatti was NDC attorney general. They agree with the letter committee. Okay. That would be my point. Okay. So, so your, your, your argument is that the Supreme Court should probably start, you know, to charge people uh, when they, they lose such cases in court. Let me bring in Eddie Jitabakro now. They, they, they don't. They, 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 they don't charge people. They they they, they award costs. Okay, so they should start awarding costs when someone comes to challenge an election result. Energy, how, how best? Energy, how best can this be done in order not for it to come across as though you are gagging a party from challenging an election result in court? Okay, so um, good evening to your choice, US, and good evening to Marlena Stina. Um, I think that the point should be made clear. Um, electoral adjudication, especially for the presidential election, uh, is for a good reason why in the superior wisdom of the framers of the 1992 Constitution, they preserve it for the greatest cause of the land. Now, if you want to make cause, um, persons who are not or dissatisfied with the outcome of presidential election may choose the seat instead of going to court. And you know the dangers associated with going through the streets. Okay. So for me, on that call, I want to say that we need to exercise a bit of caution in that advocacy. Now, you see, like my senior pointed out, I do not subscribe to the conversation where it is said that 
the calls in one election petition, it resulted in four five. And in another one, it is seven zero. It means that the one that is seven zero was favorable. In any case, it was not the same set of judges that sat. So you cannot even say that the same set of people who presided over the 2020 uh, uh, election petition were the same set of okay. people who presided over the 2012. And therefore, the appreciation of the two different cases resulted in ABCD. Okay. It cannot be so. And okay. I think that we should not do this. We should not do this. It is not okay. fair. When we begin to do this kind of uh, legal analysis, what it does is that it it creates certain uh, uh, commentary that may not be good for even the judiciary. Please. Uh, I'm grateful to you, lawyer Diji Tamako, for joining us, and also to you, uh, Mr. Frank Davis, for joining us earlier. And to other stories, Ghana is hungry for balance of payment support. Uh, delays in securing the needed finance and assurances from its official creditors is likely to put its program with the International Monetary Fund in limbo. As external creditors debate on the magnitude of debt relief to offer Ghana, the Joe News Research Desk has been looking at delayed second tranche disbursement, trying to find out its implications on the IMF program. Lead data and research analyst Isaac Kofiaj joins me in the studio for a chat. walk us through what you found. Well, so we've been looking at the, uh, you know, the negotiation that went on yesterday, and that was the meeting between our external creditors, which they call themselves the official creditor committee. They are the bilateral guys. So the countries that we are owing, co-chaired by China and France. At stake, it's about $5.4 billion that Ghana is seeking to restructure with these official creditors. Now, what is not really clear uh, is the agreement on the cut-off dates. That is when they should start counting the new uh, loans or the point at which they should start considering repayment. This has become, you know, some sort of a, a battle at the negotiation table because some feel that it should be somewhere around 2020. Others feel that it was uh, December 2022 that Ghana actually defaulted. So why don't we start from there? But we've done this before. That was in 2022 during the HIPIC program where we spoke you mean to 2002. 2002. Yeah. Uh, when we, we, we did this in 2002, we spoke to uh, external creditors, which is the, bilater- uh, the bilateral guys, the Paris Club. And what they did was that, uh, so we are doing this to actually give us a sense of how the current negotiation may be or the outcome will be. Because in 2002, when we actually did this, what we saw was that the debt servicing a cut date was actually reset from January 1st, 1983 to somewhere around, uh, you know, June 20th, 1999. And so that gave us a grace period and the maturity period or the restructuring period was actually around 23 years with a grace period of six years. So what that did was that it actually reduced our debt that we owed the bilateral guys. Mm -hmm. That was in 2002 from $207 million to just for uh, 46 um, you know million dollars that was very significant because okay. of the the you know the target that they had to reduce the debt by more than 90% mm-hmm. then now let's see the next slide that talks about the restructuring that mm-hmm. we are actually talking about and why it is important the reason why it is important is that we went to the IMF for balance of payment support mm-hmm. 
And with this balance of payment... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido Sientes la experiencia de poder La emoción de la libertad Ya estás preparado Para vivir tu nueva aventura Nueva Ram 1500 Hecha para vivir Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC For instance, in 2023 We were supposed to talk to our external creditors So that they give us the financing assurances For us to unlock some 1.2 billion you know, dollars now, because we were not able to talk to our external creditors to give us the needed financing assurance, we were only able to draw $600 million from that $1.2 billion that was scheduled for us to draw in 2023. So we could not get $600 million in 2023. If we were able to do that, we could have had $1.2 billion. Mm. Now, in 2024, the schedule is that if we are able to go through all the restructuring talks, then IMF should be able to release some $720 million for us to, you know, support our balance of payments okay. in 2024. Mm-hmm. But because of this delay, it means that the second review is going to delay, the third review is going to delay, mm-hmm. and our access to this amount of money will also delay. Okay. So we need to unlock this first before we can go to the $720 million, which will come in two tranches. First one that's May 2022, somewhere around 360 million, and the same amount by November 2024, uh, uh, 360 million. And mm-hmm. so, if we are able to talk to the creditors mm-hmm. and we get the first 600 million, then it means that when we make progress and we also get the 720 million, then it means we will be getting more than anticipated in 2024. Mm-hmm. But definitely, mm-hmm. we got less than anticipated. In 2023. Good. All right. I will still keep an eye on this particular development so we can update you on what is happening with these negotiations.
with uh, external creditors. Well, two other stories now. Sex, physical attacks, uh, inciting riot, and all misconduct tantamount to expulsion uh, for students in pre-tertiary institutions. These are just a few of the misconduct cited in the Ghana Education Service new code of conduct recently released on its website. In a move to overhaul the country's pre-tertiary institutions, the GES has rolled out the stringent set of guidelines targeting everything from punctuality to gambling and sexual offences. No more leniency. My colleague Faustina Safo has details of the hard-hitting punishment that seeks to reshape discipline in schools and joins via Zoom. So, Faustina, what other guidelines are there in this code of conduct? Mm. So, Kojo, the 24-page document touches basically on all aspects of school behavior. Key among them is a flouting of lawful authority and the directives of school heads, staffs, and prefects. Now, absence from school or any academic activity without reasonable cause, wearing unprescribed or altered uniforms, also students without decent haircuts, as prescribed by school authorities, would face sanctions. Now, if you engage in any sexual relations, it constitutes a misconduct. Students cannot have sexual relations with any member of staff. And this comes with a caveat, Kojo, that such misconduct will not be waived, even if it took place outside the school compound or with parental consent. Circulating pornographic materials is also constituting a misconduct, Kojo. And any student who records anyone, either audio, video, or anything of such, and publishes it online, will be sanctioned at well. Now, mm. no student would be involved in occultism, according to them, if you want to remain in school. Skin bleaching or gambling, bringing of electric and electronic appliances, it includes kettles, mobile phones, computers, music box, you name them, Kojo. Mm. This is also constituting a misconduct. If you want to remain in school, you have to keep away from these offenses. Mm. They say stringent measures. What punishment do these attract? Well, so the punishment depends on the gravity of the offences. The students could be cautioned or sometimes cancelled or they'll be made to do manual labour. Well, if you're a prefect, you have a big issue. You could be demoted or expelled or you can risk suspension for two weeks. You could also be withdrawn from boarding house or ultimately dismissed. Now, in some cases, when the school authorities decide that this student destroyed their property or made away with some items belonging to the school, they would be made to pay or replace it or face disciplinary committee. Now, every other offense, you could also be cancelled as well. But grievous offenses such as sexual offenses and physical harm, get ready to go to jail because the police would be notified and the students dismissed. Wow. All right, thanks for those uh, details there for Sinesa, for my colleague here. Now joining us on this is Vice President of Nagra, Jacob Anara. Thanks for joining us, sir. Now you are with a student or people. So w- w- what are your views on the code of conduct? Do you think they are punitive enough to ensure discipline in our schools? Um, yeah, I think that uh, most of them are punitive enough uh, it is not as what has been thought out. Essentially, uh, when you have a different code like this, it is supposed to help the, the students to create a safe environment for learning, to make the students to become focused in achieving the academic goals. Okay. So, apart from helping them, it must also be different enough so that 
students who have the idea of going through those misconduct will stop. So if you look at some of the, uh, the offenses and then the punishment that has been sought out, they are very good ones. For example, if a student harms another student, the student must be reported to the police. This cannot be handled by the school authority. And the police will take it from there. We recently heard of an incident in that disco where an incident like that happened. So I think that most of them are different enough, but some of them are not specific enough. If you look at some areas, like for example, if a student is absent from school, it's not telling us the number of days that the student should be absent and the punishment that should be meted out to okay. the student. So we need to be very specific. The number of days that when the student is absent from school and the type of punishment that should be given to the student. Or another one, if a student do not attend assembly or school gathering, for how many times will we wait for the student not to attend assembly before we met out a punishment? Or he does not attend classes? Or refuse to write exams? The punishment is that he must be repeated. For how many times should the student be repeated in the same class? So we need to be very clear on the specific period so that the uh, carrying out of this um, punishment will not be problematic to the school administration or management. All right. Uh, thank you very much for joining us for your thought here. Now, also joining us to share his views is the Executive Director of the Africa Education Watch, Kofi Asari. Grateful for joining us. Now, you heard from Mr. Anabar that he has issues that some of them are not too specific. Are you satisfied with his conduct? All right. Uh, this is Divine, the Senior Program Officer, not Kofi Asari. Okay. Yeah, Divine. All right, thank you, and good evening to your viewers, and happy new year to them. Yes, we have gone through the document, and we are happy that we've gotten here. It is a call we have been making over the years that there's a need for us to have a unified code of conduct mm -hmm. for our students in Sinai High School, uh, because previously, each school was having their own code, so what is probably applicable in a school A is not applicable in school B and it wasn't creating uniformity especially when sanctions are being applied. So we are glad that we've gotten to this point where by having a unified code. We have gone through the document and uh, satisfied with a good number of them. However, uh, just one provision that uh, we have an issue that we believe that is not well spelled out that it should look at the 2.13e that men's hair should be neatly trimmed and beard clean shaven. So again, because of the issue regarding people by their feet, keeping dreadlock, people are still not too clear about what you mean by the hair being trimmed, neatly trimmed. Is it that you want them to be entirely cut or hot? I had an engagement with Ministry of Education and they tried to explain that, well, in terms of fit, where a student is carrying a dreadlock, the trimming over them may not be meaning that you should remove it entirely, but you keep it neatly. But again, I continue to listen to conversation on this uh, from teachers and some heads, and 
their understanding is that training means that it should get to the to the head to very low, meaning that red law should uh, also be removed entirely. So at the start of the policy, also the guideline implementation or the code implementation already, we are seeing some uh, misunderstanding over there. I feel what the GS intends to communicate at that particular uh, provision, with that particular provision, it's important for them to have a footnote to explain it to the general public or any reader that picks it or the heads of institutions so that they understand what the training means so that we don't get to the point where uh, issues of uh, religious uh, practices will have to be in dispute as to where one would have to keep their dreadlock or not. For me, because the education minister, Dr. Aduchum, has revealed that the government of Ghana pays 65 million cities to teachers for extra classes every year. He also revealed that 40% of secondary schools are still practicing the double track system. The minister made that revelation on an Accra based radio station. However, stakeholders have been raising concerns about the payment of this extra amount while teachers are compelled to work additional hours due to lack of inadequate infrastructure. We still have, um, you know, we've been joined by the ranking member on the Education Committee of Parliament, an MP for Akachi North, Peter Notri Koto. Uh, grateful for joining us here. Now, 65 million as extra classes fee per annum, a justified expenditure or a self-inflicted cost? Yeah, thank you very much and a good evening to your viewers. I couldn't join you on Zoom because uh, I'm traveling from the constituency. Yeah, um, the minister announced that uh, government released 60 million Ghana cities uh, as an incentive package to teachers in the various schools. Yeah, uh, when the double track was introduced, uh, we put uh, measures in place to make sure that uh, all ongoing projects in the various uh, senior high schools were completed because the teachers were going to be under intense pressure to do more than they could do. Mm. Because, one, they will be faced with uh, more contact hours to perform than they would So what the ministry did at that time was to introduce uh, this package of uh, incentives at the end of uh, the year. But for me, the failure of uh, the government to heed the advice given at the time, what they pay the teachers and what the teachers put in, I don't think they are, uh, the teachers are being even adequately rewarded. Okay. okay. Now, uh, the 16 million, if you divide it by about uh, 720 senior high schools we have in the country, uh, it's about 85,000 Ghana cities per school. That is uh, across board if it is not distributed per any other formula. But it's not, the, it's not only the teachers who benefit from it. The non-teaching staff also benefit from it. Okay. Uh, it is assumed that uh, they also remain in school uh, to support the teachers do their work. So you see these... Uh, uh, women in the kitchen who uh, work throughout the year without going on leave or holidays, uh, they are all uh, being part of that. So for me, the 16 million was even uh, inadequate. Government should have even given them more than uh, it has uh, been doing. Okay. Because um, if you look at the sacrifice they are making, mm. uh, 
this 60 million is not worth it at all. Okay, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let, let's bring in Devine Pe now. Devine, you have done a lot of research in this field. Is this a standard practice where governments in Africa spend such volumes of money paying for extra classes for their students? All right. You know, in a current scheme of things, it's very difficult for government not to shoulder that particular cost. We are doing the extra classes because of one main problem, teachers' inability or not their inability, uh, just because of the curriculum, the volume uh, some of the uh, subjects have, it's very difficult for them to complete within two to uh, 2.6 years of secondary school education. So it's because of that they have to do extra classes to be able to cover up the content. If we want to avoid it, what it means is that we need to reduce the content size and the curricular review at the secondary school level offers us the opportunity to do that. If we are able to reduce the content size and then within the secondary school duration, they can do that and finish the entire content, there will not be any need for extra class for us to really be paying that. Even if there will be a need for extra class, it has to be looked at. The extra class has to be targeted to students that are not performing well. It has to be a special intervention for such students so that they can catch up with their colleagues, not the wholesale approach. So for me, the uh, reform going on with the curriculum is very important for us to streamline the content size so that the 2.6 years or 2.7 years of secondary school education teachers can be able to finish the curriculum and there will be no need for extra class for government to be paying that. Or if government wants to maintain it, it should target just the students that are not performing well as an intervention strategy for such students to catch up. Okay, Divine, grateful for joining us here. Divine is with the Africa Education Watch. This is still Johnny Prime. We'll take a quick break. Stay with us. There's more to come. are extremely busy. Traffic jams. Meetings. Conference calls. Luckily, our mom is here to take good care of us with day-by-day -day baby and day-by-day -day kids and their naturally active ingredients. Our skin is hydrated, soothed, and protected all day long. Yes. Or chaos reigns. Yes. Back in the day, I was Ghana man, but something was missing until I found the one. HD Plus is not your regular free-to-air decoder. For a small fee, you get to experience great services and exciting world of content. Dial star eight seven nine hash on your mobile phone and subscribe for as low as two hundred and ninety cities. Hash them. This one is different. The images are five times clearer in HD picture quality, and I'm loving the feely feely experience. Ah, HD Plus, I love you. But I'm still here. <laughs> HD Plus, for better, for less. That's right. Get your HD Plus decoder from any Electroland outlet or our dealer shops.
Welcome back. Let's do some election headquarters stories. And your election headquarters is brought to you by Petrosol, your clean fuel in full quantity. Now, Deputy Majority Leader and MP for FO2, Alexander Afenyon Markin, is refuting claims he unleashed violence on the constituency during last year's district level election. Johnson has said in at a news conference yesterday made the claims against the MP. But addressing journalists in Parliament, Afenyon Markin categorically denied using facts to perpetrate violence. According to the NDC, in the just-ended assembly election, there was violence in Efutu, and to them, I am responsible for such things. Let me say it with emphasis, that there was no such thing as violence at any polling station in Efutu during the just ended those assembly elections. Rather, it was some NDC activists who attempted to stop voting at Alata Kokodo electoral area. And if they they really want the truth, they should go and interview the electorates in that electoral area. That in the Futu, I do my politics on the strength of development. I don't do politics of violence. I don't attack anybody. I don't insult. I believe in an open discourse of ideas. And that has been the reason why I remain the MP. There is transformation in the Futu under my leadership. And that's is something that nobody can dispute it. So I will not allow Mr. Asiedun Ketia and other NDC activists who have lost the political plot, who do not know how to manage my success in the Futu to brand me. I will not allow that. I am not into electoral violence. I don't believe in it. I've always won and won clean. And the Deputy Majority Leader also accused an NDC National Chairman Johnson and Ketia of allowing himself to be used as a tool to spread misinformation. If they want to start their own agenda of creating tension in the country, they should say so. But for Honorable Asedwin Katia, I will not call him dishonorable. I would show him respect. And I believe that he's been in politics long enough to verify things for himself before he put things out. In the least, he could have contacted me. And I find it very disappointing that Mr. Asiedun Katia, for all these years in politics, he will rely on misinformation to mount a political platform to attack me. He's an elderly person, so I would be measured in my choice of words. But simply put, whatever information he has is untruth. They are false. If there should be anybody in Winneba to cry foul, it should be me. Maybe he's not aware, but I would take time to let him know how I've suffered in Efutu. In 2012, Two weeks election, I was pushed 
into a gutter by a known NDC executive. He's still in Winneba. Abe Kunyakum. He and his nephew. We reported to the police. The police did not take action. The records are still there. Now, the Asante Union Chairman of the Governing New Patriotic Party, Bernard Enchubo has implored party delegates to demand massive improvement in vote for the party as a way of negotiating with incumbent MPs seeking re-election. According to Chairman Wuntumi, the party has no intention to disqualify aspirants seeking to become MPs, but it takes critical interest in incumbent MPs and are performing at the polls. Nanabuachi Yadom reports. The new patriotic party, proud to the January 27 parliamentary primaries, vetted and cleared over 120 aspirants. The process seeks to determine the eligibility of candidates who intend to represent the party in the 2024 general election. Speaking to the press after the process, the Ashanti regional chairman of the MPP, Bernard Njibwesiakon, entreated party delegates to negotiate with incumbent MPs seeking re-election for better performance. My point, and what I've always given pieces of advice is that those who, you know, had a lesser vote from 2020 elections, me, that is where my advice goes to that if you know that 2020 you you have votes reduced you know uh, you, you you can think about because it's MPP we want to win power it's not friendship it's not a, it's not this is my brother it's not brotherhood you know it's about getting the stretch fortunately for us NDC had choose their candidates so I'm appealing to constituency executives, coordinators, and the police stations. Nobody is going to influence them. They should choose what they want. And anybody who wants to go to or who wants to win, the police station people should decide and also take a responsibility. You have to decide and take your responsibility. Chairman Wuntumi says the party has no intention to disqualify aspirants. However, it intends to win the December 7th election without favor. Me, I went to election, so I want everybody to go to election. Dr. Bawomia, who is the leader of our party, went to the election. So everybody also has to go to election. So nobody is going to disqualify anybody, but we will negotiate all the time with the constituency you can negotiate with them but the region and national i don't think we will do that is the mpp breaking the aids of course i have already seen that dr Bamboud Bawomia is the next president of republic of ghana for joe news nana brought it down The founder and leader of the Hezekiah Apostolic Prayer Ministry, Ghana, has advised the National Democratic Congress, NDC, to pick a running mate from the Volta region or risk losing the 2024 general elections. Apostle Kobna Uswejay said that picking, that picking a running mate from the NDC stronghold would contribute to an increase of the NDC's electoral fortunes in the region as the electorate would feel appeased. 
He was speaking at a press conference in the water regional capital of Ho. Prophecies have come, you know, and NDC, they must take good care of their stronghold. That is Northern region and Volta region. The word of God says, as we repeat. that story later on. Now, Chief Justice Gertrude Tokunu is urging the media to avoid unnecessary sensationalism as the country gears up for the 2024 elections. Speaking at a meeting with the Judicial Press Corps in Accra, the Chief Justice noted that sensationalism has the potential of marring the peace of the country and thus there is a need for the media to guard against. all know that we have elections coming up this year. And elections make everybody nervous. Uh, it doesn't make you nervous because it gives you a lot of limelight. Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly you have everybody is interested in the reporters. Uh, that's where your stardom comes from. But you are the makers. You are the breakers. You could be the breakers of the peace. You could be the breakers of the peace. Because when it comes to elections, for instance, um, the rest of us will just go and cast our votes. The citizenry will cast their votes. And then you will present. Now, if in your presentation there's unnecessary sensationalism, um, that could trigger off um, situations which then we have to resolve. My hope is that through this year, you will do your best to learn the intricacies of the legal structures around elections. For instance, it's not enough to say that oh, elections are won or lost at the polling station. I just get to talk to the media to get legal education in order to understand how the legal system works in the country. In the Jachikwesin matter, which is still sub and I'm, so I'm not talking about the content of decisions, but I'm talking about structure and procedure. Um, you will discover that the, the, that case met, has dangled into three areas of law, and those three areas of law were adjudicated in different form. There was a constitutional issue. Then there was the election issue itself, um, the election dispute itself. Then there is the criminal aspect. Now, the election dispute itself was heard at the High Court, which is a court with the jurisdiction to determine election issues. And then an appeal went to the Court of Appeal. Now, under the Constitution, appeals in parliamentary elections end at the Court of Appeal. It is a very interesting phenomenon. It is one of those few cases that are not allowed to come to the Supreme Court. So when the Court of Appeal finishes its work, that's it. You can't appeal to a Supreme Court. And this is the Jonish Prime. We'll take a break. We'll buy with showbiz. Every day, people have money emergencies. Ma, I need my suitcase emergency. 
Mami chop money emergency. Emergency, emergency. Catch it. I'm your ready. Emergency. Now, there's a new emergency number in town. More money, more money, Charlie and enjoyment. At the top life we got. Dial star 770 hash for all your money emergencies and chop life. Dial star 770 hash for money emergencies and get easy and quick access to your money, loans, and other banking needs. Echo Bank, the Pan African Bank. Daddy, Daddy, this tank is big! Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow! Has a working tortoise on it. Mm hmm. That's so true. I can see S I N T E X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. Like it's father, it is spoiled. That's not true. But why? Why? Syntex <laughs> was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Investment Limited. Well, welcome back. Time for us to do showbiz. And Jacqueline and Sumayabwa is in the house. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Kojo. Yeah. I missed you. I missed you more. Uh, prosperous 2024, yeah? Yeah. Many happy returns to you. Thank you. All right, now, in a recent development, Tiwa Savage, the renowned Nigerian singer, has formally engaged um, law enforcement to hold her fellow artist, Davido, accountable for any potential harm she may face. In a comprehensive petition filed against Davido, Tiwa highlighted concerns about threats of assault and severe bodily harm stemming from her association with Sophia Momudu, Davido's ex-partner which is um, also the mother of his child. Now, host of Joy FM Overdrive, Kofi Hayford, joins me on Zoom with more. Uh, now, Kofi, what does the petition entail? Okay, um, Jackie, so the petition is, is quite straight to the point. Um, I'd just like to read a couple of it, like you have on your screens. It says, I'm writing to bring you to your attention a distressing situation involving myself Tiwatopi uh, Omolara Savage, popularly known as Tiwa Savage and Mr. David Adeleke, popularly known as Davido. And on the 23rd of December, I made a post which included myself and Sophia Momodu on my Instagram story, a feature on Instagram which allows you to put up a post for 24 hours. And Mr. Adeleke sent messages to my manager, who is also part of his management team, that I shouldn't worry and shouldn't say a word to him and that I was taunting him uttering very disrespectful, malicious and derogatory words to my person. So basically, um, Tiwa Savage is alleging that Davido has threatened her life, um, you know, for unsubstantiated reasons. She doesn't really know exactly why Davido 
is threatening um, uh, her. Um, we all know that this is a very distressed call and this is a very, very um, unfortunate incident because over the years we have known specifically that Davido and the Tiwa Savage have had a very good relationship resulting from the fact that um, both of them's children attended the same school or probably actually attended the same school and so they have had a very, very good relationship. But people are speculating that this is probably stemming from the fact that Davido's ex-wife or ex-partner who is Sophia Momodi is actually now friends with Tiwa Savage and Davido is not happy about it. And so based on these threats, um, Tiwa has written to the Nigerian police that if any such harm happens to her in the days that ensue or in the months that uh, are forthcoming, then Davido needs to be held responsible. Okay. Now, Kofi, what is she seeking to achieve with this petition? Well, it's safety. Safety. Everyone wants to be safe. I mean, if you have people coming over to your Instagram, um, uh, you know, comment section or your DM or, you know, any of your social media handles and issue threats, there are some unprintable words. For example, um, a part of the petition said that um, the video had actually told their mutual connections to warn her to be careful in Lagos because he was going to him up or her up. You know, he used the F word over there. And that is actually a very, very serious statement to make to any other person. And so Tiwa is saying that, as um, outlined in Chapter 4 of the Constitution of the Federal Republic of Nigeria in 1999, um, it is actually, uh, you know, a, a threat to her life, to her privacy, and to her dignity as a person. And so she's seeking protection from the Nigerian police. And if she gets that, I think she will be safe. But even apart from that, she, she wants everybody to know that once um, she's not safe in the days that are upcoming, then the video is responsible for it. Okay, well, thank you, Kofi. Um, let's see what happens to this petition. And now moving on to other um, stories. Now, um, in 2023, Ghana witnessed the meteoric rise of musical prodigies, including Olive the Boy, Banzi Venero, Slim Kid, and many whose infectious beats and soul-staring lyrics resonated across the nation. Now, their chart-topping hits like Good Sen and Hosanna not only dominated the airways, but etched their names in the hearts of Ghanaians. We have more in this report. It can take years before one artist can hit the jackpot with their track. But these budding musicians defied all odds. All of the boys' fame skyrocketed with his hit track, Good Sin. The song became a major hit resonating with audiences across the country, amassing more than 4 million views on YouTube. The artist's unique style has firmly established him as one of the rising stars to watch out for in the Ghanaian music scene. Banzi Banero's ascendancy to musical prominence reached its zenith with the enchanting release of Hosanna. This melodic masterpiece not only showcases musical virtuosity, but also catapulted him into the spotlight. Slim Kid made waves after featuring on O. Kenneth's EP, Pain in Glory, particularly with the hit song, Lonely Road. On a lonely road, I'm wild, I'm wild, and I don't know when I'm coming home, coming home. 
attention beyond Ghana, catching the ears of international artists like Lil Durk and footballer Ziyech who shared it on social media. Our case can be a case without one of the pioneer case makers, Mufti. Mufti is our last skyrocketer for 2023. He made waves by featuring on the rumors of Mr. Drew's case. Twenty twenty four just began, and all eyes are on the breakout stars to keep feeding them with good music. For Joy News, I am Jacqueline Asuma Iboa. Ah, she gave me more of that song. Well, you know, you were just asking me that if they were Ghanaians. Yes, they are. Yeah, I never knew. They are. That they are solid. Solid artists with solid music. Yeah. And I love their songs. And the producers are also Ghanaian stuff. That's why I said I have to start rapping because I think I can get people to help. I'll be your backup vocalist, by the way. Can we try one like that? Definitely after. Afterwards. (laughs) Now, um, Fyla to Abdul Razak, known to many as Chef Fyla, is constantly putting Tamale on the map and as she stands on her feet um, for hours to break the Guinness World Record for the longest cooking hours by an individual. You know, Kujo, she's been cooking for more than 200 hours. 200, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, told, I'm told she would finally finish at uh, 266, yeah. Yeah, right. Now, we have Lois, um, who is from Tamale. Um, she's in Tamale right now. Now, Lois, what can you report? You know, so, so far, thank you, Jackie, um, and good evening. So far, um, she has cooked for over 200 hours, very close to 216 hours. We're looking at her ending tomorrow. Um, so, so far, she has cooked a number of meals. She cooked over 150 meals. He shared a lot of people, you know, she has even extended it, um, and shown her benevolence, so much so that he has fed people on the street, he fed people in the orphanages, and um, she's still going strong. I mean, for someone who's been cooking for nine days, I have said so many times that um, her consistency, so the same way the food tastes since day one is the same way it tastes now. Um, and yes, as I said, she has been cooking for a total of over 200 hours and she's still going strong. A lot of people are here. Tamale has been supporting her. I mean, if there's anything, we should all applaud people leaving Tamale, other people of Tamale, for how much they have shown up and shown out for this lady because from dawn to dusk, they are here riding with her. Traditional okay. leaders have walked through. We've seen um, uh, politicians walk through, celebrities. And a host of people, and it, it, it's just All amazing. Right. Okay, now is she likely to end tomorrow as planned? Yes, of course, she is likely to end tomorrow. It's not even likely, it's been confirmed. So, we spoke to her team earlier who confirmed that tomorrow at 10 a.m., this one is dropping the knives, all the cutlery in the kitchen, and she has ended. So, tomorrow she would end uh, finally, and it will be 286 hours, and she would have, you know, set a new record and put her in a very comfortable lead. So, yes, it's ending tomorrow, definitely. Okay, well, thank you very much, Lois. And uh, Lois is with Joy Prime. So, hopefully, we need to catch a flight tomorrow to Tamale. No, no, no. Lois can bring ours here. <laughs> she has to bring the Mutu and whatever they I know, 150 dishes? Yeah, the lady is solid. And congrats to her. I wish you could do 300, but 266 is enough. Yeah. So congrats to her. And thanks to Tamale for showing us that we can be loyal to support our own. Yes, I definitely. hope that we do carry this on. And thank you so much for being part of us. That's how we wrap up the show. There's more on my journal.com. Happiness is Prime Business with Emma Davis. Good evening.
Investment Limited. Sometimes seem to be cruising along. But just when you least expect it, things could go horribly wrong. Leave nothing to chance. Let Geico Group help you achieve your goals with customized solutions for life and general insurance, healthcare and finance. Glyco, we cushion you for life. Brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan African Bank. Take a small seven bag for your QR code. It's time you switch to Bell Park today. Welcome, a warm welcome to you. I am Emma Davis. And on Prime Business tonight, economist Professor Lord Mensah has warned that burdening the country with more debts could unsettle the economy for the next 22 years. He cautioned government against overspending ahead of the 2024 elections, pointing out that government's resort to short-term debt financing due to its inability to go to the capital market is already stifling growth in the private sector. Professor Mensah further emphasized the need to be fiscally disciplined for economic rebound of the country. Access to international market is there is not there. So when it comes to, I mean, reining in you know um, expenditure like it used to be, we we're going to derail this economy completely for the next 22 years. 
Because government options for financing is only on the local market. If you look at the structures of our, even the local market, the financing has been, you know, um, resorted to short term. Government can only borrow up to a maximum of one year. The bond that we restructured, you know, if you look at, I mean, the DDP that we followed through, that bond has, you know, it's more or less illiquid as we speak now. Nobody is buying them. Apart from, you know, those life insurance companies and those pensions that they are, you know, obligations are long-term. Nobody is trading in those zones. We are all looking at, you know, government raising money short-term. So government cannot make any attempt to rake in unnecessary expenditure going into this election. Other than that, this economy would derail completely. Rebouncing back would be a problem. So that is my piece of advice. If government has something to do, they may have to really prioritize. And I know most of the time what they do is that they hide behind the social, you know, support or the social spending, like free SHS, like other social spending that they want to do to, to blow up the expenditure line, thinking, okay, they are helping the poor. Meanwhile, they are not optimizing the targeting of, you know, I mean, the poor. So, effectively, I would say that, yes, our room in raising money that will call for the expenditure is not there. We don't have that space, you know, to go and raise money. We are, we are, we are, we are hands-tied completely. The only, you know, hope that we're going to get is our external creditors will have something concrete for us this time. And so that we can unlock the IMF money, which will give room for other ancillary expenses. Other than that, we're going to have the same situation where the Bank of Ghana was forced to print money, you know, to finance activities within the economy. Bank of Ghana has indicated that it will move to sanction and delist any foreign exchange broker that fails to abide by the market conduct rules. There is more in the following business report. The Bank of Ghana also reminded these brokers that they shall not deal directly with a corporate entity when it comes to trading. They are also required to buy or sell foreign exchange for its own account, nor hold, borrow, or lend foreign exchange to an authorized market participant. This warning was captured in the notice from the Bank of Ghana giving details of names of foreign exchange brokers that are allowed to trade and undertake transactions in 2024. The central bank puts the number of companies that can trade in foreign exchange at 15. This move from the Bank of Ghana is coming on the back of some actions that the regulator has taken in recent times to ensure strict compliance with the foreign exchange rules by all the players in the industry. It recently managed to prosecute four illegal foreign exchange market operators with the help of the various security and government agencies. Joy Business understands that the Bank of Ghana will in the coming days be taking some tough measures to ensure that there is full compliance when it comes to its forex market rules. Sources say this is part of measures that it believes will go a long way to help stabilize the Ghana CD in the coming months. This is because some analysts have argued that one of the contributing factors to the pressures on the local currency is the lack of compliance by market players. Meanwhile, economic analyst with Data Bank Research, Kweku Akokumsin, is impressing on the Bank of Ghana to scale up its forex buffers 
to withstand any shocks. His comments follows a projection by IC Research indicating the Ghana CD may lose about 8.4% in value to the US dollar in the retail market this year. Speaking to Joy Business, Mr. Akumensa urged the Bank of Ghana to collaborate with the Development Bank Ghana to invest more in value addition and advancement to improve on country's export earnings. It's quite crucial indeed to have um, a very good FX buffer because at least that makes you uh, more resistant to external shocks and shocks also obligating from financing from um, external debt as well. And now looking at it, uh, it's, it's quite crucial to have enough buffers so that at least the central bank can smoothly over any erratic movements in the currency and can also intervene in the market as necessary to help stem the tides should the city meet some um, stormy seasons, if I should say. And so as much as possible, it's quite crucial to build these um, sustainable reserves. And then additionally, the central bank... Um, We've seen this seasonal cycle where uh, typically we see um, inflows from syndicated loan or some other external source to really bolster uh, reserves. I think the central bank has taken some steps on the go for reserve program. We feel the central bank can scale it up a bit. And also, um, additionally, looking at the 2024 budget, and it was, it was, still, it was also included in the 2023 budget, where the government would leverage the development bank to target um, investments, mainly in the great value chain, uh, in, in a bit to advance up the value chain a bit. I feel the central bank can also, um, in consultation with the development bank and also other interested banks, as I think Nigeria does on its reserve requirements and how that features into agricultural investments, the central bank can also leverage on the development bank too and help invest more in the uh, value chain advancements. With this, we would see more uh, or higher receipts on our exports or higher export earnings, which should then um, feature favorably in our reserve build-up or our foreign exchange build-up. So I think the central bank can also leverage the involvement of the development bank and also other um, banking sector players to sustainably invest in value chain advancements and enhanced foreign exchange receipts. They could risk losing their license, confiscation of products, and prosecution. That's the warning coming from the National Petroleum Authority to bulk importers of petroleum products if they fail to comply with new specification for fuel imports. It follows concerns by some importers that they couldn't meet the January 1 deadline. But head of quality control at the National Petroleum Authority, Yubildaila Saeed, says there is no turning back on this directive. I do not foresee anybody bridging this requirement. However, uh, it suffice to add that the MPA we have a very strict regime, including confiscating of product, suspension and even revoking of licensing. And now we have been equipped by the Parliament of Ghana to undertake criminal prosecution of such nature. So, yes, whilst I do not see anybody bridging these directives, they are very scary, if I should put it that way, uh, sanctions that people are aware of that should it happen, the MPA will not hesitate in cracking the way. Before this incident started happening, we were having cargoes of product 
of lower manganese content, and that is why everybody was fine. So, on that logic, it does not make sense to me that now that we are strict to say that what was happening or what you were bringing before, continue to bring that one, uh, I don't see how that should warrant uh, price. However, I'm limited in that area, but with my understanding of the issues, I do not expect this to warrant a price increase. Meanwhile, bulk oil distributors have assured that they remain committed to the new specifications for importing petroleum products into the country. Dr. Patrick Kwekufori is the chief executive of Chamber of Bulk Oil Distribution Companies. We've all, for the past four or five weeks, informed our major uh, trading partners that the specifications have changed. We've looked at it in our, our last engagement to realize that although we're looking out for magnesium and other metals in the poor specification, one thing that we're not looking critically at is iron. And now that the regulator is building its capacity to be able to test and verify all those, it gives all of us confidence that we can bring in products that will meet the specification that will also appear in the situation. Prime Business with me, Emma Davis. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Alanyo is a final year student of the University of Ghana studying plant biology. Her passion until a couple of years ago was to contribute to the cure of cancer, but something else has caught her attention. What appeared to be the lack of skilled labor in Ghana's agri sector. Portia got curious to find a solution. The result, a web and mobile based app to link farmers to qualified human resource. So getting to go through the frustration of how farmers get people to clear their farms, harvest or even do sowing got me thinking, how can this problem be solved? Because you have to travel to different towns just to gather the youth to help you on your farm. And we, I thought of bringing this together to just help this problem in Ghana's agricultural sector. In Obwa, on the Joy Business Farm, this Wednesday, on TV, radio, online and on the ground. The Joy Business Farm, brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, and MTN. What are we doing today? expecting a dirty December. But guess what? In just two years, the city's value for the dollar has halved. Ghana is over 90% small businesses, and SMEs are suffering. The youth is angry at unemployment and underemployment. And the gap within our societies is pregnant. I mean, is there even a middle class now? It feels like you are either a 10 
or you are at zero. And that is not a good feeling at all. Everybody's preaching entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. From governments to other institutions, even salaried workers are now preaching entrepreneurship. That is why you join me, Dr. Maxwell Ample, on Mondays and Thursdays on Joy News Prime, DSTV Channel 421, and also on the Joy Business Report on Joy 99.7 FM. As we understand simple nuggets to aid us navigate this global economic downturn. And we do this not as individuals, but as a people, as business people, as entrepreneurs. Let us bring out the entrepreneur in you. There have got some incredible stories. You've probably never heard of them before. If you are better than the coach, then you should have been the coach. Have you ever knelt down to beg a coach to take Solomon Tayo to it? Yes. In 2010, I did it. Milo asked for, you to sign for his for, agent and you refused? Yes! Most, mostly at, at the point nobody wants to come and play for the Blasters. Since 2008, semi-finals, finals, semi-finals, finals. If we continue like this, I can assure you and I can bet you. Anything happened negative concerning the team? Shut up. Shut up. I didn't say anything. This Friday, shut up. Inappropriate. And get to theaters. We are very exclusive. You are so lucky to have us as friends. Mean Girls. Get in, loser. Way to PG-13. Only in theaters Friday. It's me. What is deep, deeper poor? Porter. Eyes with the way. Can he still win the world title? With my experience, it's a no-go area. We've come across a lot of featherweights. A lot of featherweights, and the eyes do not match them at all. First of all, I think the gym BA itself need a lot of schooling. Expecting to lead the charge. He elected. He said the Ghana football will crumble. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, indeed. If that is what is in his mind, then tell him he should stop it. They have to clean their heads. When the voice is Zamata in Ghana sports, speak. They speak here on Prime Take every Saturday at 7:30 p.m. on Joy News. Welcome, and it's day 9 of January, and we have a long way to go before the year ends. Have you planned your finances for the year? Well, if you have not, we have some guidance for you on our Joy Business Advisory Series, which began today. Take a listen to Randolph Alor, partner at accounting advisory services firm, KPMG. One key thing is knowing why target financial targets or goals or financial objectives are important right everything you do as far as financial planning is concerned must tie back to your goal all right so a key principle or a key goal is understanding financial targets or financial goals or financial objectives mm -hmm. so that is one two you need to understand cash flow essentially it is how money comes in and how money goes out you need to be able to understand that for yourself how are you getting in money how is that amount or how are those amounts going out so you need to have a good appreciation of your own cash flow then you also need to understand budgeting a lot of people are not interested in in budgeting is is and we, we will cover that because it's it's, it's a bit difficult to say you are sitting down and you are doing this, but you need to uh, do that if you are really going to have a plan mm -hmm. uh, that will help you through these difficult times. And you also need to appreciate time value of money, right? 
um, money today is not the same tomorrow. There's inflation, your value can erode, and other things. So I'll just give these four uh, principles. But if you appreciate these principles well, then you will not take financial planning for granted. What I think we can do, right, forgetting about sitting down to say you are detailing, I will spend A, B, C, D. Be conscious, all right, and think about three or four key buckets, mm -hmm. all right, to allocate your money. So let's give an example. Let's say you have 100 uh, CDs. That is an amount you earn whether weekly or, say, monthly, all right? Think about it to say, what are the must-dos? There are things that come hurt me. Whether you have money or not, you must do. So, for instance, maybe you have to get to work. You may get an Uber or you have to eat. <laughs> so the things that you must do, right, those are your fixed cost. All right, so allocate a certain amount out of whatever you receive to these fixed costs. All right, people will give you percentages to say maybe 50% of your whatever you get should be allocated to that or some other percentage. But for me, I always say look at your own personal case. Then number two, you need to make some savings, all right, because there is retirement, so long-term retirement. And uh, how many people are working formally? If you are working formally, even if you don't save for retirement, you know there's a SNED contribution, your tier one, your tier two, and possibly a tier three. Okay, so you need to make some allocation for for your long-term retirement and some savings that you can fall on to also I mean, navigate or to, to address certain things that may come your way. Maybe you want to better yourself and the likes of that. And have something for, say, maybe an emergency. I hope the tips are beneficial to your spending this year. Now, the application of value-added tax on motor insurance could be delayed further and possibly frozen for a while. That's even if that amendment bill secures the required presidential assent for Ghana Revenue Authority to start implementing the tax. George Wiafi has the rest of the story. Government sources have told Joy Business that the move has been influenced by concerns that applying this tax may come with some serious implications for the economy and inflation rate going forward. Insurance companies have already gone ahead to increase third-party premiums from January 1, 2024. This does not even include the 21.9% VAT that should be applied on non-life insurance businesses, products and services from this year. Therefore, applying this VAT on motor insurance could increase the cost of insurance and other related services, a move that may end up justifying calls by transport operators for an increase in fares. This may end up increasing the cost of living significantly. Development of the Finance Ministry is worried about. Joy Business is learning that the Ghana Revenue Authority could be asked to hold on for a while, even if the President signs the five new tax amendment bills. It's however not clear for now if the tax could be suspended. But insurance companies, on the other hand, say they will continue to make a strong case to the Finance Minister in their meetings on why this VAT should be suspended. On insurance products, the Commissioner General of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Dr. Amishida Osama, has also maintained that implementation of these new tax bills will go ahead when the necessary public education has been completed. 
Quick Credit has indicated it will no longer undertake house-to-house recovery of its loans. That's according to its founder and board chairman, Richard Nee Amakwe. He says that the on-field loan recovery department of his organization has been dissolved. Richard Nee Amakwe explained during Quick Credit's annual gathering at the conference center in Accra that the decision was made following feedback from stakeholders. Over the past year, we received numerous feedback from our customers, the general public, and our regulator on our activities on the field. These feedbacks are a reflection of the experiences and expectations of the people we serve. I am thrilled to announce that we have taken a decision to dissolve the house-to-house recovery department of the company and shall no longer be visiting clients for recovery ever again. Let me, let me repeat this side again. I'm saying that we are thrilled to announce that we have taken a decision to dissolve the house-to-house recovery department of the company and shall no longer be visiting clients for recovery ever again. That will be all for tonight on Prime Business with me, Emma Davis. For more business news, do log on to myjoyonline.com. I leave you with international view. Was brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan African Bank. Take a similar cement bag for your QR code. It's time you switch to Bell Park today. All my life you have been faithful. First Sky Group, a wholly owned Ghanaian company made up of First Sky Construction, First Sky Bitumen Processing, First Sky Commodities, Volta Serene Hotel, Serene Insurance. First Sky Energies and Ferro Rural Bank. 
warmly invite you to its 21st Thanksgiving service on the theme, The Faithfulness of the Lord Never Ceases, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 23. The Thanksgiving service in two parts will be hosted by the founder and executive chairman, Mr. Eric Sedi Kutocha. Friday, January 12, 2024, all night from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. at the Trinity Temple Assemblies of God Church, TTAG Community Center, ministering in word. Reverend Mark Sese, National Missions Director, Assemblies of God, Sierra Leone, Reverend Sujit Alex, Thames North Area Leader, Assemblies of God, UK, Sunday, January 14th, 2024, Thanksgiving service at the main auditorium of the Accra International Conference Center at 10 a.m. Guest speaker, Most Reverend Dr. Paul Kwabena Boafo, Presiding Bishop, the Methodist Church, Ghana. Special guest of honor, the Chief Justice, Her Ladyship, Mrs. Gertrude Araba Esaba Saki Tokono. Ministering in music will be Team Eternity and others. Also in attendance will be His Eminence, Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams, Reverend Dr. Stephen Yanusam Wengam, General Superintendent, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Professor Paul Frimpon Mansu, Immediate Past General Superintendent, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Dr. Silvanos Amagashichi Elon, Head Pastor, Trinity. Temple, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Mark Sese, National Missions Director, Assemblies of God, Syria Liu, Reverend Sujit Alex, Thames North Area Leader, Assemblies of God, UK, Apostle Professor Kojo Ninfo Opoku Onina, Reverend Dr. Lawrence Tete, Reverend Eastwood Anaba, Reverend Dr. Joyce Ai, Reverend Eddie Annan, Assemblies of God UK and other senior clergy. For more details, contact 020-854-3441 or 050-148-2580. It's the First Sky Group 21st Thanksgiving service. Don't miss it. It's brought to you by Commander DBS Industries to you. Let's go to DBS Industries. Hello, welcome to Prime Sports with me, Razak Musbao. Now tonight, the head coach of the Black Stars uh, remains optimistic of delivering impressive results at the African Cup of Nations tournament set to start on Saturday. And this is despite the stalemate against Namibia on Monday night in an international friendly. Now, despite creating a host of chances, Ghana failed to score in the game that was played at the Barras Sports Stadium, raising concerns of the team's seemingly ineffective attack. However, Hewton believes his team will improve and be ready to give their best at the tournament. Uh, expectations are high. I, I want to be head coach of a team that makes the country proud in this, um, in this tournament. Um, how far we can go will be, depend on the performances that, um, that we can put in. Um, one thing I know is that we, there's a group of players that, that desperately want to do well. And you have a, if you have a group of players that desperately want to do well, you never know what can happen. And I don't think any of us and I, I certainly don't want to be a head coach of uh, a team that doesn't think they have any chance of winning it. 
You know, I think you, that has to be the mentality going into a tournament. And um, but we know that we have to play well. We have to play well. We have to have things go our way. We have to be fortunate, maybe with injuries. Um, but we have to be very, very optimistic that we can do re really well. So we'll kick off on uh, Saturday, January 13, 2024, with the opening clash between the host, Cote d'Ivoire, and Guinea-Bissau. The two teams from Group A will clash at the Alassane Ouattara Stadium in Abimbe. Group A comprises Cote d'Ivoire, Equatorial Guinea, Guinea-Bissau, and Nigeria each led by renowned and charismatic coaches. Here is an overview of the coaches of the teams in Group A. Appointed as the head coach of the Avora national team in May 2022, Jean-Louis Gasset replaced Patrice Bumel, whose contract was not renewed after a disappointing campaign in Cameroon, where the elephants were eliminated in the quarterfinals by Egypt. The 69-year-old French tactician bears the heavy responsibility of guiding the host nation in this competition starting with the opening game on January 13 against Guinea-Bissau. According to Ivorian football chief Idris Diallo, the target is for him to win the tournament or at least reach the semi-finals. Otherwise, his contract will not be renewed for another year. Despite his first experience leading a national team, Jean-Louis Gasset can rely on his extensive coaching background, having managed several French clubs, including Montpellier, Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux. He also served as an assistant coach to Laurent Blanc at Bordeaux, the French national team, and Paris Saint-Germain. At home, the elephant, under his guidance, will strive to lift a third continental trophy following their successes in 1992 in Senegal and 2015 in Equatorial Guinea. In Nigeria, however, Portuguese manager Jose Pesero has been at the helm of the Nigerian national team since May 2022. Taking over from Austin Eguavon, the 63-year-old manager faces the challenging task of leading the Super Eagles in the Total Energies CAF Africa Cup of Nations in Cote d'Ivoire, where the country has passed to a better performance than the last edition in Cameroon, where they were surprisingly eliminated by Tunisia in the round of 16. Despite a challenging time with the Super Eagles so far, Jose Pesero will be looking to draw on his rich experience, having previously served as the head coach of Saudi Arabia between 2009 and 2011 and Venezuela 2020 to 2021, and his managerial duties at Club Braga, Porto and Sporting to achieve the goals set by Nigerian football authorities. With him, Nigeria aims for a fourth continental crown after triumphs in 1980, 1994 and 2013. In Equatorial Guinea, Juan Obian Misha will lead the Inzalan Nacional at the AFCON for the second consecutive edition after being confirmed as the head coach in March 2021 following a five-month interim period. In the 2021 edition in Cameroon, he achieved a sensational run with his team, reaching the quarterfinals after eliminating Mali in the round of 16 and defeating Algeria in the group stage. At 48 years old, Juan Obian Misha is a former Equito-Guinean footballer who played for his country in the late 1990s and early 2000s. 
He began his coaching career at Fuan Labrada in Spain before joining the Equatorial Guinea women's national team as an assistant coach from 2012 to 2013, before becoming the interim head coach of Equatorial Guinea in late 2020 and subsequently confirmed in March 2021. He also coached the country's under-17 and under-20 teams as well as Deportivo Unidad, a club base in Malabo. He aims to surpass the 2015 performance at home, the year of Inzalan Nacional's best ever finish in the competition, placing fourth. And finally, for the Guinea-Bissau national team, 57-year-old Basiro Kande has been in charge since 2016. This year in Cote d'Ivoire, he will lead his country in its fourth CAF Africa Cup of Nations tournament. A former defender, he played for Estrella de Amadora and Amara in Portugal before embarking on a coaching career. This marks his second stint at the helm after an initial tenor between 2001 and 2009 at the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations tournament. Guiding his team beyond the first round will be his ultimate target. After the team failed to do so in the 2016, 2019 and 2021 editions. Let's now speak to Nigerian sports journalist Omar Akatuba, who has been keeping tabs with the Nigerian national team uh, who lost in the course of the week, uh, over the weekend, 2-0 to Guinea in a friendly and have also lost uh, forward Victor Boniface to injury. Uh, he has since been replaced by Terrell Murphy. Uh, Omar, thank you so much for joining us and I hope you can hear me very clearly. Just give us a little... Uh, up to speed on what's been happening in the camp of Nigeria at the moment. Uh, when will they land in Ivy Coast? Um, good evening to you and to all um, your viewers. Um, yes, uh, the Super Eagles are currently on their way to Lagos, Nigeria, where they will be having a send-off uh, by the Lagos State Governor. And after that, they will fly into Ivory Coast on Wednesday, for the tournament proper. Mm. Let's talk about Victor Boniface, though. How much of a loss is he going to be for the Nigerian, uh, the Nigerian side at the African? Of course, we know Victor Simon is in there, guaranteed goals, but having Victor Boniface is clearly, you know, a far power that uh, uh, Jose would, would have relished to have. How much of a loss is he going to be to the Super Eagles? Quickly, for contest, um, he scored 18 goals in 23 appearances with 8 assists already mm -hmm. this season for Bayer Leverkusen. He's been having a breakup season, taking the Bundesliga by storm, winning the Rookie of the Month Award four times and in the running for the fifth one. Yeah, That is the sort of player that Boniface is and that is the sort of player Nigeria would miss in Boniface. Mm. I'll tell you something. With the absence of Boniface, um, Nigeria has lost some sort of imaginative interplay in the final third. Mm. Victor Osimen is a go-banger extraordinaire. The best in Africa, one of the best in the world. Mm. But with Victor Boniface, would have had a much more sharper, dangerous, creative, mm. and, and an overall attack. Boniface would have complemented Victor Osimen a great deal. But now that he's not going to be at the AFCON, it's a sad one for Nigeria. Many Nigerians are not happy. And um, we hope his replacement can bring something, if not better.
but close at least. Mm. I mean, in the last tournament, they exited the round of 16. They lost, like we said in the report, there, surprisingly to Tunisia. They're going to this tournament very hungry, even for uh, uh, Victor Osiban himself, very hungry because he missed out on that tournament. Uh, you know, so he'll be looking to, uh, you know, just show what kind of player he really is on the African continent. Realistically, though, how do you fancy the chances of Nigeria? Will they be able to pick their fourth title in Ivory Coast? Um, they go into the tournament just taking your words now very angry, but not hungry enough. Mm. Going by what we've seen so far, the matches they played so far, the result, uh, you want to conclude that they, they don't show enough hunger. Mm. And based off of that, as a Nigerian, I mean, as a, as, as a journalist, mm. you cannot realistically expect that they pick their first title, but you can only hope. They say hope is the last thing to leave a man, and that is the only thing we have right now. Nigerians are not so expectant. We are only hopeful mm. because we're not very impressed by the build-up, by the performances so far, by the results so far, and also by the approach of the coach. The coach mm. doesn't inspire confidence. Nigerians don't want him anymore. They actually can't wait for him to fail so that there will be a justifiable reason mm. to fire him. The NFL has given him a target of the semi-final. I know, I believe that might be too, too much for him, mm. and which is something good for people like us who want him to get off the job so that some, someone more, you know, uh, more creative, somebody who wants to work mm. can take charge. Those who are proponents of home-based players mm. can't wait for him to be fired because he didn't give one outfield home-based player mm. a chance in the team. So there are so many people wanting him to be fired and because of that, I'm sure many people want Nigeria not to even win the trophy so mm. that I won't come and say, hey, I got you the trophy, I have a reason to stay. Well, Nigeria's first game is against, uh, you know, uh, Guinea, uh, Equatorial Guinea. First game is against yes. Equatorial Guinea. It's a big no, one. Take that yeah, yeah, Nigeria's first game against Equatorial okay. Guinea. Yeah, Equatorial yes, Guinea yes, on yes. Sunday. Um, just, just a little preempt for us. What should we expect in that game? You know, some goals for Victor Osimhen. Of course, that is our biggest hope. Victor mm. Simen is Africa's number one footballer right now. Mm. He won the CAF Award, and that is actually the man that you can use the term "hungry" for. Mm. He's both hungry and angry. Mm. as he usually is on the field of play. Mm. And Victor Simon hasn't really had a major impact in the Nigerian national team at a global tournament. Mm. This is his first attempt. The last and the only Afcon he's had was in 2019 when he came up for Judo John Igalo. Mm. This is a chance for him to really prove that as he can do it at Napoli, mm. he can also do it for Nigeria. So we are hopeful or we are hopeful waiting with bated breath to mm. see Victor take the Afcon by storm. And of course, with Equatorial Guinea, will be a good start. Mm. Uh, Omar, just finally though, let me just get your uh, general expectations ahead of the tournament starting on Saturday. I know you, you follow lots of African players on the continent, you know, even around the world. Uh, in terms of what we should expect uh, in this tournament, the whole world is going to be watching. Starting on Saturday, what is your personal expectation ahead of the start on Saturday? I think I expect a very interesting, feisty uh, tournament. We've seen all of the big stars coming to the AFCON this time around. In mm. Cameroon, a lot of players missed out 
for some reasons, injuries, club not allowing them to come. For example, Victor Simon, mm-hmm. Mo Salah is coming, Sadio Mane is coming, uh, uh, Girase, who is one of the best strikers in the Bundesliga, is coming. For Ghana, Kudus, though not yet fully fit, but will be there. So there are so many stars coming to the AFCON, and that gives it so much you know, excitement already. And we have more teams participating at the tournament. That means more, more, much more competition. Mm-hmm. I think... It's going to be an exciting tournament with Ivory Coast, the host, with some quality players in there, with Cameroon on the other hand, with also some quality players. Andrew Nana, not sure whether I will go to the AFCON or play in the first game or not. Mm. But overall, there will be so much excitement. I think this might be the best AFCON yet in the history of this tournament. All right, thank you very much. And of course, we'll keep in touch uh, all through the AFCON. Uh, and, uh, you know, just keep talking about it. Thank you so much. Uh, that's Omar. Always a pleasure. Uh, a journalist. Uh, you know, uh, he's, he's really covering a lot of Nigerian footballers and even African footballers around the world. But let's come uh, back to Ghana because a thousand-seater capacity sports and recreational facility has been commissioned in Nalerugu in the East Mampusi municipality, the capital town of the northeast region. A new facility is made up of an astroturf, changing rooms, a VIP stand, and officers for administrative staff and managers of the facility. The Vice President, Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya, who commissioned this sports complex, said it will help the development of sports, in particular football, in the area. Correspondent Ilya Sutanko reports. After the initial postponement following confusion at home over the Boku chieftaincy dispute, the Vice President, Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya, returned over the weekends to Nalirugu, the northeast regional capital, to commission a new astroturf for sporting and recreational activities in the East Mampresi municipality. According to Joy News sources, the initial arrangement to commission the facility on the 28th of December was abrogated after an arrangement could not be reached between the office of the vice president and the executives of the Mampresi Youth Association over the presence of the Nairis and Stol Bokunaba at the event grounds. Dr. Baumia was accompanied by the Minister for Youth and Sports, the national chairman of the ruling party, and several other dignitaries of the party. It was the third of said facilities to be commissioned into operation in the region since the coming into power of the government. The facility comes with a standard football pitch that can be utilized for even national matches, flashlight for nine-time activities, 1,000 capacity spectator stands, changing rooms finished with water and sanitation facilities, offices for managers of the facility, and a public washroom. The facility was constructed after the youth of Nalirgu mounted a strong protests against the vice president and the regional minister after the construction of a second astroturf in Waliwali. Commissioning the project, the vice president, after inspecting the auxiliary facilities, said the new infrastructure would help in the development of sports in the region. I'm very happy with the work. Um, the facilities are first class, and I just hope that we maintain them as such as we go forward. But I'm ha- a happy man today, and I'm very impressed with the work that has been done. I think that it will be a facility that will help sports in and particularly football uh, in 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 Alerugu, Gambaga and, and its environment. The facility has been named after Nasheriga, a late overlord of Mamprugu. The Minister of Youth and Sports, Mustafa Yusuf, also said the facility will facilitate the development of grassroots sports whilst playing at the achievement of this government in the development of sports nationwide. Under His Excellency Nanaadu, that when it comes to sports infrastructure, there's no any government since independence that can match his record in terms of sports infrastructure 
development. So having done all this was a facilities, now the focus is now uh, grassroots sports development. We are now going to have district level sports competitions, then we move to the regional level, to the national level, so that we can develop talent at the grassroots. The minister further announced his pledge to support the fast-growing local football clubs in the region. He, however, called on the local managers of the facility to strictly adhere to the dictates contained in the maintenance manual to ensure the facility is always fit for purpose. There is going to be a committee set up, and the committee, the chief, and the Nairi will have a rep on the committee. You have also the assembly having a rep. The regional minister will have a rep. The community, the youth, will also have a rep on the committee. And this committee will ensure that they follow the guidelines on the maintenance manual so that we can use to maintain this facility. We can't put huge investment like this, then at the end of the day, we don't maintain it well and we have to look for money to come and renovate it again. According to the details of the contract, a world will be constructed to protect the facilities. As it stands, only the football pitch is fenced with wire mesh. This is the first phase of the project. And going forward, the second phase will look at getting a fence wall so that there can be security. The contractor, Robert Tete Coleman, also could not tell the exact amount of money spent so far on the project, saying he will be able to provide the financial details after the end of the year to begin second phase. Elias Sotanko from Nalirgo for Joy News. Now, the Ghana Athletics Association, together with the Ministry of Youth, launched the 2024 edition of the National Athletics Inter-Schools Competition. My colleague Kwame Banaya was at the ministry and monitored the conference and now reports. Launch of the National Inter-Schools Athletics Championship took place on Tuesday afternoon, January 9, at the Sports Ministry Conference Hall in Accra. Some 50 schools and 1,500 athletes will be selected to participate in the Nisak Athletics Festival. The event is to serve as a test run on the new facilities at the University of Ghana ahead of the 2023 African Games. We want to do the school sports just like how Jamaican does their school sports, just like how Americans are doing their conference, so that it has worldwide view. We also want to be the, that program to be the topmost program in Ghana and in Africa. And together with the stakeholders, the Ghana Education Service, the Ministry of Youth and Sports, National Sports Authority, we should be able to get to that fit. And I do not have any doubt in my mind that within the next four years, Ghana athletes should be on top of African athletes. And we are going to use this competition as a test competition for the African Games facility in Legon. Before that, the Mundo matter finished the installation of the tracks. We are going to use that one as a test for the tracks. And after that, then we will now proceed to the African Games campaign. Sports Minister Mustafa Yusif was also excited about the event. Last week, I was in Kufodia with Six Excellency, the President of the Republic, to commission the first stadium, which comes with athletics tracks. And Team Ghana for African Games were there to uh, practice. Aside that, the other nice sports stadium, which is built, uh, we have just scheduled the commissioning date for five more, and the other four, we are hoping that we complete them as well this year, so that we have more tracks, not only in Accra, but across the country. Uh, we, like 
previous speakers mentioned, sports, as we all know, is a multi-billion dollar industry. Aside, the competition itself is going to bring a lot of economic activities at the various centers where these championships are going to be held going forward. And we are also working with the local organizing committee chair, who is here with me, and the National Sports Authority, the Deputy Director General is here with me, and also with my team, my Chief Director, who is also here with me. We are working around the clock with the AU to position Ghana as the Africa city, the Accra, especially Accra, as the African city for sports for 2024. The Alexis Festival is set to kick off from February 5 to February 9, 2024 in Accra. Now, let's get to Germany for the latest in uh, Germany's Domestic Football League, uh, the Bundesliga. And for that, we are joined by Chris Harrington, who is stationed all the way in Berlin, Germany. Chris, special Happy New Year to you, and thank you for joining us yet again. Well, uh, the Bundesliga is yet to resume. However, there is plenty to discuss. First of all, let's talk about some transfer news. And it's Jaden Sancho, whom we understand is close to, you know, uh, a move to Dortmund. That's some very big news. What can you share with us on that? Yeah, Borussia Dortmund are continuing negotiations in returning Jaden Sancho to the Bundesliga. You know, Jaden Sancho fell out of favor. He was the toast of the town a few seasons back when he was still active in the Bundesliga. You know, over $70 million to go home to the Premier League. Manchester United under uh, Eric uh, Tanag, he just has basically fallen out of favor. He's not even training with the, uh, the first team in England. And... Um, I expected Jaden Sancho to be with Borussia Dortmund in Marbella, where they trained during the winter in Spain, but he did not catch his flight because they are still trying to figure out uh, to get the deal done money-wise. You know, Borussia Dortmund, they offered around three million pounds. I believe uh, there's no option to buy attached to the deal, of course, uh, as well. But uh, right now, it seems like maybe Manchester United is trying to squeeze out as much as they can from the deal. But uh, all in all, I don't, I don't really know uh, who, who has more to uh, gain from this move. You know, when you look at Dortmund in the standings right now, they're six points off the Champions League spot. Okay, they're hit or miss. They are competitive in the Champions League currently this season. So I think that's one incentive to add Jaden Sancho to the roster. But I do think this deal has uh, Jaden Sancho has a lot more to benefit from this deal than Dortmund. Dortmund were real close in winning the title last year. It slipped through their fingers. I'm not really sure what Jaden Sancho can do in terms of improving the club situation. You know, there are 11 players on the pitch, you know, but uh, I hope the deal gets done because he is such a young talent. He's only 20 three years old and he hasn't been playing for a while reports are he's been training like a beast on his own so i'm looking forward to seeing him return you know to the pitch to top level football and uh he might be a delight in the champions league as well you know i did have the opportunity to interview him a while back he was a real humble kid at the time he's changed quite a bit since then and uh, I think he's humbled himself once again and he's looking for uh, a, the reset button and Borussia Dortmund I think is a good opportunity for players like Jaden Sancho uh, to change his fortune around and change his narrative well uh, well good question just finally though Timo Werner we understand he's close to a move to Tottenham Hotspur 
uh, Tottenham Hotspur, the uh, former stomping ground of Harry Kane. They are signing RB Leipzig's forward Timo Vanna on a loan. Timo Vanna, you know, he kind of crashed out. He really wasn't, you know, what uh, he was advertised to be in the Premier League. You know, but uh, right now, Tottenham, they're looking for a loan deal with an option to buy in uh, Timo Vanna's case. Uh, because uh, the Spurs are going to be missing some talent. Son will be missing due to the Asian Cup. And uh, and maybe uh, Timo Vanna will have an opportunity to kind of, you know, prove his naysayers wrong. Because, you know, he, he underperformed, you know, to say the least uh, in the Premier League. But when he came back to the Bundesliga... You know, there were some moments that he did. He was uh, exceptional. He did score in his second debut, and he also did a hat-trick a few uh, matches later. He's only 27 years old. You know, uh, he is still young and in the mix, and this is his opportunity. We've seen this before. Many players have uh, gone back and forth from the Bundesliga to to the Premier League back. Kevin De Bruyne is a really good example of that. Uh, now, of course, he's played himself, you know, uh, into the name and the player he, he's uh, known to be at Manchester City right now. But Timo Vanna could be looking to follow that same uh, pathway. Uh, he is talented. You know, I think the expectations are high for him to uh, to really put up some numbers. And I think the pressure might not be the same as it was his first spell in the Premier League. So I'm wishing him well. You know, but uh, RB Leipzig, you know, they're in a good standing themselves. And uh, I don't think they'll be missing Timo Vanna a lot, considering his production wasn't the best while he was uh, in Leipzig. Well, thank you, Chris. And uh, that's all we'll have for you on Prime Sports. Now with me, Rosak Musbar. Up next, it's BMX Press. Sports Segments. Was brought to you by Mende DBS Industries to you. Let's go to DBS Industries.